0: I'm Damian Willis, and this is The Reporter's Notebook from the Las Cruces Sun News, a podcast in which we attempt to pull back the curtain on our reporting process while diving deeper into some of the biggest stories of the week. In this week's episode, we're talking to Cassie McClure, who has written the column My So-Called Millennial Life for the Sun News for several years. Since then, it's been picked up and nationally syndicated by Creators, a media and syndication company that represents more than 250 of the most talented writers and artists in the world. Its talent has won several Pulitzer Prizes, Rubin Awards, and Peabody Awards. In recent years, Cassie has also been a prolific freelance writer, she's worked for a number of publications around the city and has also done freelance writing for some of the biggest employers in doniana county we wanted to talk to her about what is often called the gig economy cassie has also worked in a more traditional public relations shop so as a local writer cassie has a unique perspective to share and that's why i'm so pleased to have her join me today first cassie Thanks for taking the time to talk to us today. Oh, thank you for having me. Can we kind of start out with you just telling me a little bit about yourself? Sure, um, well, I'm Cassie McClure.
1: I write the uh, my so-called millennial life on the Sun News. Uh, you might hear me on KRWG two. It is also nationally syndicated through Creator Syndicate. I'm not 100% sure where I end up, but I know that I have readers out of Santa Barbara, Pacific Northwest. I ran in Arkansas for a while, but I think as uh, <laughs> as my columns progressed, they were like, maybe not a good fit for that demographic.
0: <laughs> and tell us about your background, kind of uh, where you came from, where you started out, how you ended up uh, in New Mexico and, and later in Las Cruces. Sure. Uh, so I've been here for
1: about um, almost 20 years. I came here after I spent a year at New Mexico Tech, because my dad retired in Clovis, New Mexico, and we had been going between um, Utah and Germany. He had always gotten stationed in either place. So, and half of my family's German. So, that's we kind of kept going back home, as it were. And the last place we got stationed was Clovis, where he retired. And then I went to college at New Mexico Tech, and I didn't really think that I was going to um, do what I do right now back then. uh, I actually worked more with computers. I try not to tell people that because then they'll ask me to fix their computer and I cannot do that anymore. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But I was hopeful that I was going to do something in the sort of techie industry. But I realized I started liking my English class more and more and exclusively at a certain point at New Mexico Tech. I decided to come down here to NMSU because all of my friends were here
0: the derogatory thing that people always angrily shout at journalists is learn to code and uh, <laughs> and you almost did it's, i almost did really did I, they
1: tell you to code
0: that was that was the uh, yeah that's the path you almost chose i've known you for a long time maybe almost a decade and i think of you as kind of tricultural
1: and I think that would be a probably a good um, idea of me. I um, I've kind of adopted my husband's culture to the extent that I can. He's uh, from Ciudad Juarez. So um, my kiddos are Mexican and they're German and they're American. And we have sort of a strange trifecta of experiences here. My mom lives with us. So I'll be speaking German to her and... Uh, my husband will speak to my kids in Spanish and there's a lot of English. There's a lot of <laughs> Minecraft, Minecraft watching right now with my son. So he gets his uh, English that way, unfortunately.
0: <laughs> that's uh, that's really interesting. Uh, and and uh, your house must be. Uh, <laughs> well, it's certainly a melting pot. For sure. A, a, little, a, a little microcosm.
1: It is, it is. And it's interesting to see different perspectives on, you know, what's happening in the United States from, I never, I, I think I've wrote, written about this before, that I never thought that I'd be the um, sort of stalwart representation of American values to a bunch of people. <laughs> and I am in my house, like, why does America, I don't, I don't know. I do not know. So he come, you know, my husband comes at it with a Mexican perspective and my mom still watches news from Germany. And, you know, especially when Ukraine happened, she was watching all the news programs from there and sort of they have different takes on it, which, you know, we talk about then, too. And what is that experience like? Um, Probably uh, not terribly different than I would think that there is sort of cross-cultural experiences in this area. So I think a lot of people have family on other sides of the border, and grapple with the idea that at home they speak one language and then they go out and they have to speak another language. So I don't think it's necessarily unusual for this area. I'm, I might be adding one extra language, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> that sort of you know viewpoint from, that's what makes this area interesting is that sort of different viewpoint that we kind of have a melting pot here in probably one of the best ways.
0: And uh, one of your recent columns, you kind of lament the fact that you don't speak more Spanish. Uh, <laughs> you right. you recently took a trip down to see uh, your husband's family in Mexico, right? That's
1: right. Yeah, we try to go every couple of months. Um, they're usually having some sort of quinceanera or they're going to have, you know, a wedding or a baby shower or, you know, somebody's birthday. And we'll try to make it down there um, just to give my children their sense of, I don't know, an attachment to his country. But, you know, I, I lament it only for the fact that after, you know, 10, 11 years and various attempts of taking it in middle school, high school and college, that my Spanish is still muy mal.
0: <laughs> and and that kind of isolates you uh, to some degree at, at family get togethers, right? You know what? They actually there's a lot of
1: um sort of um, reaching out from their end that I really appreciate a lot of times, too. Um, I think I mentioned in the column, too, that there's always one uncle that will kind of <laughs> come up behind me and, you know, very slowly talk to me. You know, at the beginning, it was a lot of that. He'd hand me a tecate and be like, all right, now right, <laughs> three tecates in, your
0: Spanish will be better. And it was. so. <laughs> uh, that, that does tend to happen. Um, uh, and how's your German? Uh gut. I think ganz good. I'm
1: pretty pretty natural in German. My mom and I speak during the day and um so it it I will still listen to some podcasts in German, so things like that. I'm trying to curate my TikTok algorithm to believe that I speak German, but um it actually thinks I
0: speak more Spanish. So. <laughs> when did you discover a passion for writing?
1: Um That's a good question because I didn't ever see myself as a writer. I think one of my early experiences was really kind of detesting it. I remember in fourth grade, I had a Mr. Vasquez who would put a prompt on the whiteboard and it was every day, 200 words and I dreaded it. And because it was sort of that free writing, which now I do, I do for a lot of my life, um, and he'd have prompts like, if an alien landed, what would you tell them? And I'd tell them that I have a stupid prompt that I have to write in my English class. So I wouldn't say that I was necessarily gunning for this lifestyle.
0: The lifestyle picked me, Damien. <laughs> you didn't You didn't choose the game. The, the game chose you.
1: That's right. But, you know, like I said, that the uh, I realized that I didn't want to go into working with computers or going into the tech industry. So I realized that I, I was relatively good at writing. I came to NMSU and, you know, you know, they wanted me to do um, the English degree and I was like, Oh, I really just, I don't want to sit there and read and interpret people's writing. I would like to write. And the only option that I had at NMSU, I felt like was journalism program where I could write right away and somebody would be like, this is terrible, write it again. And I'm like, yes, tell me that, <laughs> which I still love. I love having an editor be like, you know, what would make this better? And I'm like, oh my gosh. And where, and do it in the next hour
0: because we're on deadline.
1: <laughs> yeah, this is true. Yeah. And deadline's also one of those, you know, I, I go to writers groups and they're sitting there curating their um their short story and have been working on it for six months to a year. And I'm like, oh, see, I got I got something I got to punch out for lots of people to read in the next six hours it's uh
0: (laughs) it's a little different of a stressor (laughs) absolutely and you discovered that when did you discover that uh writing was something that that you kind of enjoyed doing um i would
1: say that uh i really got into blogging um i I heard somebody mention blogging the other day and i was like i got wistful because you don't (laughs) hear about it as much anymore you don't but uh, back in the early aughts, blogging was kind of hip and mommy blogging was like sort of a strange thing that I just jumped into. I read a lot of mommy blogs and this is years before I even remotely wanted to write in sort of any way. So I would li- listen to these moms who had no other outlets write about their sort of daily lives and the lives of their children. And... um I started my own blog as it were. <laughs> so I, I would write just for fun and I would hand my, my URL to my friends and they would comment and it was great fun. What was,
0: so uh, what that, was it called?
1: What was it called? Uh, <laughs> what was my first one called? It was called indecisive peach. Oh,
0: of course. <laughs> I assume you graduated with a degree from uh from NMSU in journalism? I have three degrees, strangely
1: enough. Yeah, I have a journalism degree, I have a German degree, and I have a master's in rhetoric.
0: Ah, um, professionally, how did how did you get started?
1: How did I get started? Um, golly, I don't know. I mean, my career's been a little strange in terms of I worked for NMSU for a while and never really used my um, degree and so then i had my first kiddo and went to a las cruces press women event and during that event one of the editors for one of the local papers raised her hand and said hey i'm looking for writers i thought this would be a good place to go to and at the time i had known somebody who also like right away wandered over to this lady and was like i can write And I was like, if she can do it, I can definitely do it. I also did. And that's kind of how I started picking up freelance assignments that I would write at night when my kiddo was asleep. And I thought to myself, oh, I really enjoyed that. I mean, this is something way different than what I was doing at the time, which was working in a library. So and at night I would write and I just picked up more and more stuff. And it was just a lot of like showing up and saying, "I, I do this thing. I don't do it super well but like i'm willing to do it <laughs> so and a lot of people said oh we need that
0: <laughs> yeah yeah sometimes that's exactly what they're looking for this is true <laughs> <laughs> tell us more about your weekly column my so-called millennial life so um it's always listed as
1: a lifestyle column and and most places that pick it up in syndication and even creators has it listed as lifestyle and which is fine i don't i'm not super opinionated even though i think that's kind of what got me into writing the column because i think uh the story i tell is that i wrote about salsa one time in a very opinionated manner because i was writing food reviews at the sun news and it didn't go well <laughs> so and but i you know he, they were losing a columnist at the time and they said, well, you know, do you, you're young. Do you want to write about young people? And I said, well, thank you, first of all. <laughs> but uh, yeah, sure. So I just kind of every week um, ramble, talk a little bit about my life. I, I've i been telling people that I don't particularly want to be talking about politics, but how can you not right now, right? Sure. Everything is infused with sort of tensions that you just can't remove from um, reminiscing about how the world goes in your sort of small bubble, everything is kind of it, it itching into creeps that. in, yeah, yeah. So, um, as much as I don't necessarily have opinions, I do. I mean, I'm, of course, I, I do. I'm a person, and what I always like to tell people is that I don't think that I'm a journalist. I think people confuse that with like, I'm not going to have cold, hard facts. This is my experience. Your experience may be different. Um, But I want to give you a perspective of what it is to be here in southern New Mexico in my privileges, of course, that I'm white. I'm educated. I understand that. But what is it like to live here and to live now? So that's kind of what I try to bring across. I have gotten a lot of readers and I always appreciate reader emails. They tell me, you know, I this makes me understand my kids more. And I think that's the most valuable when they say, well, I never looked at it from that perspective. I'm I am a boomer and my kids are millennials and I just never thought about their experiences from this angle. And I'm like, yes. So that's that's what I want. That's That's, what I want you to understand.
0: Yeah, that's that's really interesting. And I think that I was at the newspaper when you first got started. Uh, How how many years ago was that?
1: <laughs> oh, damien I don't know. <laughs> i have No idea. Um I really don't know. Um Several. Gosh, several. It's been
0: well, been doing this it was, for over
1: 10 years. It yeah, was so. uh
0: sylvia Uyoa, right, who uh who first offered the column to you? No, it was Lucas. Oh, it was Lucas.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. And um, I don't know if he was how that worked. You you going to have to ask him.
0: So, I, I don't remember. <laughs> I'm sorry. Your column is usually quite personal. Do you think that's kind of the key to connecting with an audience? And, and uh, where do you draw the line? Mm, uh, where do I draw the line? I suppose.
1: I'm not going to as my kids get older, I'm not going to tell their stories unless they want me to, unless there's sort of an engagement between me and them where I have their permission I think the line also is I can't tell my husband's stories, even if that's something that I have an experience in. I try not to unless it affects me. Um, I guess I, I don't necessarily want to be those one of those writers that um, if I don't like you, you're going to end up dead in my column someday. No, that's not like <laughs> that's not what I'm driving at. Um, but somebody did recognized me at my kid's soccer practice and said, Oh, I have read your stuff. And he says, am I going to wind up in your column? I'm like, maybe, maybe, <laughs> I don't know. We're, it's a nice fine day. Maybe I'll write about it. And, you know, we continue to have a conversation that actually has been percolating in a column, but it not ready yet. So <laughs> it's, where's the line? It's, I don't know, because where's this, per, where's the public sphere and the per, personal sphere end, but I don't, I want others to have permission
0: to tell their own stories as I'm telling mine, your column started out at the Sun News, but as you've mentioned, it's since been nationally syndicated through creators. How did that happen?
1: <laughs> it's a New year's resolution um, i those those
0: work those work I, 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 really d- I had no it. idea i all, all this time, I've been living under the illusion that New year's resolutions do. don't work.
1: Oh, I I guess they absolutely do. No, um, I don't know how I... Basically, I thought, well, at a certain point with the Sun News, I I started having a little bit more flexibility with... Well, I don't know if I I should say this, but uh, y'all stop paying me. (laughs) (laughs) You you can cut that out later. Um, But at that point, I kind of became a free agent, right? So I thought to myself, how can I grow this? Should I grow this? I always have the vocal support of my husband to say go more go harder with it and i'm like okay so i looked around and saw what kind of um syndicates there were and this one had the easiest one to submit to (laughs) basically take a couple of them that uh you thought were really good put them together with a cover letter send it off and i didn't really think much more beyond that to be honest i um it said, OK, between six and eight weeks, we'll let you know. About four weeks later, I got a call from the syndicate itself, which when I say the syndicate sounds really like
0: <laughs> it does. <laughs> scary, it's, right? Yeah, yeah it's, um, it sounds like a crime syndicate.
1: It does. It does. And I got a call and they said, we really, really like your stuff. Would you be willing to do this? So, yeah, now I have a 10 year contract to ramble on about
0: myself. And you're uh, you two? two years in. Up two years in, <laughs> <laughs> just four hundred something columns to go. Don't even. Oh my goodness! I don't even <laughs> want to think about it. <laughs> you said recently you've been trying to reduce your freelancing gigs. The hustle culture, I think you called it. First, I'd like to kind of hear about your experience as a freelancer in Las Cruces.
1: Sure, it's pretty. I, I, a lot of times that I met people who had a sort of a freelancing need is that I just needed to get out of the house myself. So when other people talk about networking events and shutter, I think to myself, let's, let's hear about other people. Let's go to this thing, um, which is where I made a lot of connections and met a lot of really cool people. And and you
0: hear a lot of great stories. At, at- you
1: hear a lot of great stories and you, you get a sense that, there is a need for telling those stories. And I think a lot of times businesses in particular don't know how to do that. And if my rhetoric degree has taught me anything is you have to think about your audience all the time, intensely. So, um, that is what I tried to convey upon people is that you have to think about that audience and who you're writing to. And to a certain degree, that's what I do with my column. Like I know what age group I'm writing to. I don't think I'm writing to my peers. I am writing to my elders. So freelancing here has been, I've focused more on telling stories as much as the client will let me do. And I've been lucky to have opportunities to do that.
0: And what sort of what sort of uh, places have you been able to to do that with?
1: Well, I I write for um, different government agencies, and I write for uh, NMSU sometimes when they let me, which is fun because you get to hear sort of the they have a lot of innovative things that we need to get out to people to know about. So that's a lot of fun. And hearing how, you know, a lot of times when you when you talk to a professor who has this passion, it is just the best. And even if they don't have a passion, but they have a bucket load of experience and they've been doing something for 25 years, just listening to their sort of gravitas when they talk about it is just I almost hope to be able to do it justice. Sometimes I can't. Sometimes it's just that you're, you're sitting there with that person and you want to share that story and you do it as best you can. So that's kind of I've been doing, you know, I'll, I've been pretty much. I used to say every place except Dog Las Cruces I've written for. And
0: I'm still angling
1: <laughs> one of these days.
0: One day, I, one day one you're going to get a byline in Dog Las Cruces.
1: Yes, I'm. I'm gunning for it. I. I mean, I, I. That. That's where
0: I need to hustle. You've got a dog, so you're off to a good start.
1: It would be like it would be perfect. I. I got There's gotta be a way,
0: Damien. You gotta. You gotta a, help me out. A profile. Do a profile of of your dog.
1: I'll talk about my uh, gener- generic Las Cruces dog, is what I call her. <laughs>
0: One of one of the uh, things we were talking about in MSU and kind of how that can be exciting. It seems like lately a lot of the the stories that I've seen come in from you have been through Arrowhead Center specifically, and that seems to be. There's so much energy around that place right now. It seems like those would be. You know, if you're if you're essentially doing public relations, relations type writing, uh, that seems like it would be a fun place to uh, kind of share stories out of. Absolutely, because there's so much passion there.
1: When you think of entrepreneurs, they have to be the ones to tell their story else. They're not going to get any sort of vested interest. Right. So helping them i think a while back i did a story on um where they were taking cremated remains and taking putting them into stones and it was just a whole other concept and we got to talk about what you know what does how does the grieving process work how does our culture handle that and when you think about that as a business you know you have to that that is sort of a crass way to look at it but then when they when they When the owners talk about how they have conceptualized grieving as a process that they can help heal. Oh, I love it. I love that stuff.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And there were, there are so many stories like that, uh, coming out of Arrowhead. So, uh, that seems to me to be a really exciting work. What are the things you're still doing on a regular basis? Well, it is Thursday, so I uh,
1: have to write my column today.
0: <laughs> I, um, uh, Deadlines. I'll
1: get it. I'll get it. I'll it it. It'll punch out at some point. Um, so I do that and I, I work on the contracts that I have and kind of just kind of piddle along right now with the kids in school. It's back to sort of managing that. Um, I, I take a lot of um, enjoyment out of being part of the community. So I have a lot of volunteering that I do as well. I'm on boards and whatnot so um again it's that privilege that i try to recognize and say hey you know i have the ability to get out into the community but it also feeds what i write about then too
0: do you have any advice for uh anyone listening who might be considering choosing this career path
1: hmm. i think a lot of times i we'll talk to somebody who wants to write, considers the idea in sort of a romantic way and that romanticism scares them. So they say, Oh gosh, I cannot um, even possibly be a part of that writer community. And I, I want to tell them that if you write, you're a writer
0: and I've, encountered- and the, the romanticism uh, fades away real quickly. You know what? Every now and then it comes back. That's true. That's true.
1: Fair. You know, you write a, you know, a paragraph or two and you think, ah, you know, I might have to kill this darling later, but I am, (laughs) I really enjoyed writing that. Yeah. So those moments of, if you write, you're a writer and it's only a matter of developing yourself professionally in the ways that are needed to do more of it. So I, I, I would say. Keep your day job for a bit (laughs) would be my my uh, goal. But there's always a need for people to tell their story. So I think everybody gets that idea of well, it's already been written. Yeah, everybody has. We have written the same stories in thousands, millions of different ways already. But you haven't. So go out there and write that story in the way that you would write it. So I have no hesitation to tell everybody to get into the game as it were. Even if it you know as it did me, grabbed me by the scruff and
0: pulled me in <laughs> kind of dragged you across the pavement and uh um and it's rough, but one of the things you know you say uh, don't don't quit your day job the the thing aside from uh being a uh entertainment columnist for pulse for i don't know eight or nine years before I lost my job in radio. It was the first thing that I turned to because it was the thing I knew it was, I, this is, I had a non-compete clause, so I couldn't Mm -hmm. exactly go across town and work for the other company and, and there was nobody else in the game. So I immediately just started writing and I was like you, I, I just started writing for everybody I could, but I never made it into dog lost cruises. Oh,
1: see, they're very, they're exclusive, man. <laughs> we, we're going to have to send a petition. Never. Send our best that's a, it's a, yeah, it's a tough nut to crack. <laughs> <laughs> but okay. For you too. And this is a question and this is, I ruminate on a lot. A lot. Why, why did you stay here? Stay in Cruces. Stay in Cruces. Why did you stay in Cruces?
0: Um, you know, I, I, I came here in 2001 for radio, actually. I, 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 I shouldn't say this uh, with any pride, but I dropped out of college and decided to take a radio job to uh, kind of experience life in the real world and pay down some college loans and things like that. And 21 years later, I'm still here because this is where my network is. And Mm -hmm. we were talking earlier about the importance of going out and networking. And especially as a writer, especially as a journalist, there is nothing uh, on your desk that is more important than your uh, Rolodex, Uh, whether it's it's physical or, or virtual. You know what I mean?
1: Sure. And I think trying to break into another area is hard. And I want to say that we've had conversations before, too, in terms of like, what is what pond are we in? Right. Do we want to be little fish in a large pond or do we want to continue on our role here? And what is our ability to make change here? And I think your writing also does that. And now that you have the ability to do that, as do I have the ability to to ramble on about myself and the situations that are unique to Las Cruces for a larger audience, that is a privilege that we can't take lightly, right?
0: Yeah, absolutely. And as far as the size of the pond goes, I think sometimes you just have to right size the pond. You know, <laughs> <laughs> yes, <so. laughs> I mean,
1: for for me, it's 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 home. You know, the idea of moving a lot when I was younger doesn't appeal to me as as somebody who is trying to give my kids a stable sense of like, you have a home. It is Las Cruces, New Mexico. People will not know about it when you go out into the world. Good luck.
0: <laughs> yeah. And, you know, if you you moved around a lot as a child, you know, every time you move, you've got to make new friends and that's not always easy so but it made networking easier i mean i have to
1: say that those those skills of a air force kiddo where you you find another person at the networking event that looks highly uncomfortable and you go talk to them (laughs) right because somebody else is alone out there too just like you and i'm i am a um extrovert seeming introvert like there's i don't necessarily want to be the center of attention at any sort of networking event but i definitely like to go onto the sides of the walls and say why are you here and why are you scared to be here
0: yeah (laughs) i'm the same i call myself an antisocial butterfly (laughs) i've seen that on your page before (laughs) um it seems like the entire time We've been talking about millennials and Gen Z in popular culture. We've also been hearing a lot about the gig economy. Do you think there's anything to that?
1: Oh, I think um, there is definitely a discussion about seeing that loyalty to a place is not necessarily conducive to your career. I, I'm, I'm, I'm of two ways about that. I really do like to be a part of a team, to continue to do something together for a longer extended period of time, right? Like that you can have some sort of effect that progress only happens over time, right? But I don't think that the value of staying in one place is good and you know the institutions and the systems don't really cater to your growth in that way either. And I think a lot of times millennials, especially Gen Z, are going to say, what growth opportunity do I have for my career and myself? And I don't know if that was so heavily investigated for the older generations who had the idea of, you know, I stay with this company for the the next 30 years and they will take care of me. There is a situation there that there
0: that it will play out. One day, one day you're going to get a gold watch. Yeah, where, where I do not believe in the gold watch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, i I think you're right, and I think that now it really does feel like a lot of places employees may not feel valued. Places may not value their employees the way that the employees' landlord values the monthly rent check.
1: Sure. And, but you know what, I think there's also a case to be made that employers have a hard time being able to show value to, um, their employees as well. I think there's, there's being a, there's a crunch on either end there too. And it's an examination of how do we make things more equitable for, you know, what the, the manager that you have will not have the control if you're in a multi-billion corp you know dollar corporation that has uh, interests beyond yours you know they don't and the idea of being a number do we want to be numbers in a system
0: and that I think that does debating seem that,
1: especially after covid
0: yeah I, I was just to about to say that <laughs> seems to have changed during the pandemic you know you're seeing these multi-billion dollar corporations like target and verizon all of a sudden, paying fifteen, twenty, twenty-two bucks an hour for uh, for employees right, at right. Uh, a starving wage.
1: Yeah, and and what what do we can cons- say? And you know, when we have people who say, like, what what should be the basics? What should be enough? Um, how can you put a price on dignity? Should should four people be living together if you're working a full time job? Should you be able to have health care if you work uh, forty hours a week? Are we going to set the mandate that you have to work sixty hours a week to live anywhere? Or you know, we're having the affordable housing crisis right now too. Sure. We're we're looking at how we can construct our societies in a way that gives people time to reflect, time to breathe, and enjoy life. And I, when we kind of get people who roll their eyes about the idea of you know we have to bootstrap it and continue to hustle, is that really what we want out of life forever? <laughs> it just seems so dark and dire. It does. Um, I, early on, I r- had written a column because my my dad passed away when I was 23, and he was 49. And a lot of his dreams were predicated on the fact that he would have a retirement, and he never got to see that. So a lot of the things that I do, I think you know, I got to enjoy my kids now. I have to enjoy my youth, my youth with my husband. Right. Sometimes it's just a matter of sitting out in my backyard with my family and. That's what I want. If I wanted to go for a yacht, I I'm sure I would have to make other choices, but why don't we talk about the fact for plenty of people, millions of people, that idea of sitting with your family and contributing meaningfully
0: to a society is enough. Yeah. Uh, and, and the yacht may never, may never happen. You may never have a chance to enjoy it. Who needs a yacht who okay. needs a yacht not me that's who <laughs> oh, a community yacht <laughs> let's all get
1: on the yacht let's get on that together
0: <laughs> did i uh hear through the grapevine there may be a book in the works uh
1: did i say that um maybe? i i didn't i don't know
0: you didn't say that. i i mean you may have said that to somebody at some point but uh i heard oh, it
1: go- oh gosh i don't know i the if you put all of the columns together, I mean, it's enough for probably a novella at this point, right, and not a very structured novella, but until I have some sort of idea that is, and I'm not a fiction writer, right? I'm, I might try my hand at it, but i am that's not my gig right now. So I don't know if I can pull together a book beyond the fact that I write every week, and if you put it together end by end, It'll probably go to El Paso. I don't know. You know, It's it's maybe in time. Creators has a uh, publishing arm. So maybe at some point when I get to the five-year mark, they'll be like, would you just want to put this in a book?
0: What do you want to add that we haven't already talked about, Cassie? I think we pretty much covered everything. Well, thank you so much for uh, taking some time to talk to us today.
1: Of course. Thank you for inviting me out for this. It was a lot of fun.
0: Yeah, it's uh, always a good time. Always fun catching up.
1: Sure. Mm-hmm. Have a good one.
0: Reporter's Notebook. We also have a newsletter sharing reporter stories about, well, about how we report stories. You can find all of our stories and the rest of our reporting in the Las Cruces Sun News. A huge thanks goes out to Cassie for joining us this week. You can read Cassie's column every Sunday in the Sun Life section of the Las Cruces Sun News. Also, you can find this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, and wherever you find your favorite podcasts. This has been the Reporter's Notebook from the Las Cruces Sun News. I'm your host, Damian Willis. This week's podcast was written and produced by me. You can find all our local reporting brought to you daily by reporters who live and work in Las Cruces at www.lcsun-news.com. For all of us at The Sun News, thank you for the privilege of your time.